0: Which designer has weird art, worker placement, and three games in the BGG Top 100? Welcome to the Tabletop Shop.
1: Hey everybody and thank you for tuning in to another episode of tabletop shop uh i am one of your co-hosts Nate clark and seated across the city from me is your other co-host mr cody pennington cody, how are you doing tonight?
0: thanks man i'm doing good doing great
1: i'm doing yeah. well doing well there we go how are There's you something doing grammatically correct I'm, I'm doing also quite well yeah i'm also doing quite well did you
0: have a stellar both... work day
1: oh man i um you know, it was pretty quick. I I think we I only clocked in about six hours today. And you know what? Every once in a while, that's it's pretty nice. I don't want to make nice. that a routine. Wait a second! Wait a what? second!
0: But we still okay, waited what? till seven thirty to start podcasting. Is that what you're saying to me? We could have yeah, started early. Had
1: to, We could have, but I I had some other stuff to take care of today. Right. Some well,
0: stuff audience, on. now you see who is the more and less dedicated
1: podcaster here. The reason we don't have the more, more content less? is because of Nate. Uh, you know what? That could ultimately be true because I'm leaving the country
0: <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, right. Every time we <laughs> try to start something,
1: it's like, oh, by the way, I need to, I need to make a pit stop uh, uh, in Germany, in international waters yeah. somewhere. All right. Well, well anyway, we've got uh, some stuff yeah, to talk yeah. about, don't we? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, what, Cody, we have lots of board games to talk about hey, because that's that's, that's what we do in this show. We did so, pretty good for this those week. Of you, didn't we? For those of you who are are tuning in uh, for the first time to this podcast uh i would highly recommend you go back and listen to some of our other episodes but hey you know what if you're sticking with this one that's cool uh the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to talk about what we played this week because it's a fun way for us to you know just kind of riff the raft a little bit about you know whatever it is we played this week we get to enjoy those glory moments a little bit more just a little bit longer and you guys get to hear about some games you know maybe it's games you've played and it's fun to hear people talk about them maybe it's games you have never heard of and you're like that sounds interesting. And Nate has great taste and very good hair. And so, hey, you know, maybe I should check that game out. Yes, I could tell by the sound of your voice that you have excellent hair. It's amazing. All right. Uh, you know, what? I, I will go ahead and start. This Whoa, I feel like switching I it up, start. man. I'm, hey, yeah. So I was right. I do usually make you start
0: then. Yeah, that's fine. Go <laughs> it was, for it. What, it was a hunch. What have you played? No, wait, 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 wait. How many game? How many different unique games have you played this week? Let's go with Eight. That's pretty good. That's pretty good.
1: All right. And because I've done played so many and I knew, know you have also played quite a few, we'll maybe jump through them a little bit faster than we normally do, um, especially because some of these are repeats. So like Champions of Midgard, again, we played together. Kirsten got to play for the first time. Yeah. Has both the expansions in it. Great experience. Love it. If you want to hear us talk about that game a lot more, you can. Isn't that one of the ones that's come up a lot? I feel like you can it listen re- to the episode. It really episode. has been. yeah. Yeah, we've probably talked about it. Uh, but great game. You're just rolling lots of dice, fighting monsters. Has great expansions that are hard to find. Uh, oh, a new one, uh, new to the podcast, hasn't been mentioned before. Ooh. Lord of the Rings, the Deck Builder, yeah, Fellowship of the Ring. Yes. So this was originally my game. Traded it to you for something. I don't know what, because I, I just wasn't getting it played. I feel like um, I gave you Euphoria yeah. as part of that trade. Maybe. Yeah, I really got the short end of the stick there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But... We, uh, yeah, we, we played it, uh, and it's, it's definitely been a while and that is a great, great. Okay. No, no, I take it back. It's not great, but it's, it's a, a classic. Fun, How about that? It's a fun, very simple deck builder that you cannot take too seriously mm-hmm. because it's just, there's a little too much luck that you're probably just going to get burned and you can't, you can't take it too seriously. Yeah. But, I think I had like three turns where I just, all my cards were discarded. Yeah. Do yeah. They were just gone. And it was literally like, because of a card flip that happened, you like, Lost, you know, half your hand, and then somebody yeah took, made you discard two cards. And it's like, well, I have one or no cards. Yay. So, you know, but that's that's a that's actually a revelation I had playing that game. Is I I feel like I took it more seriously in the past, and it made me kind of angry. Hmm. And now I'm reapproaching this game as like, you know what? Just don't take it that seriously. Just enjoy, you know, the game for what it is. Don't worry too much about winning. Do your best, obviously, but like, you don't have that much control over the game. So, dude, it's you know? like, and you
0: know, it's like a metaphor for life.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> it's maybe. maybe we we go back and forth about that a lot but we won't <laughs> okay because like i said want to get this moving canasta uh great little card game uh where you are it's a bit basically set collection and uh but there's a very tense aspect where so you know you can either draw the top card of the deck or if you're able to you can claim the discard pile uh everyone's discarding into it on their turn and if you have the proper cards in your hand you can claim the whole stack Uh, and so there are some very, very tense moments in this game where you're just trying not to throw away a card that somebody else might be able to pick up. And sometimes you have to throw away cards you need, or you have to sacrifice like wild cards and stuff like that. So, uh, just a great little set collection game with, that can have some very tense moments. Great for you budget gamers out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, uh, play Catan. It's uh, been a while since I played Catan, but we had a uh, we had Gramps over, so uh, we busted that out because he loves that. When's the uh, last time you played Catan? Oh boy, honestly, I couldn't even tell you. It's probably been at least four or five months. No, it's I was been a while. I was like, I was making a joke, yeah, a pronunciation yeah, I got joke. It. You know, you know nerd, I picked up you, on that, and, and I went this. right over this smooth like butter, like <sighs> any professional podcaster would do. I just went right over that, Cody. I didn't stop to come down to your level, and you know swing verbal blows with you. You know, I just kept going and you just, you brought us back. That's what you did. You took us back down there. Cool. Right. Yes, yeah, so I, I played Catan. <laughs>
0: Get that um. out of here, man.
1: No one wants to know about one of the lamest Euro games ever designed. Um, I'm not even going to bother explaining the game. Uh, Cities, Knights, and Seafarers. I would never play any other way. And that's all I have to say about that played Terraform mars uh with colonies and i think we use the normal board i have the Hellas and elysium board but i think we use the normal one mm. uh great game I-, I like it a lot again you are actually at the mercy of the cards a little bit not as bad as lord of the rings deck builder and anyway there's much more to this game than there is to that um but it- it's a it's a card game masquerading as a board game because when you look at it it looks like a board game but really it's, it's all about the cards more or less uh and yeah, you you can get burned. You know, you can get burned. And actually, I want to talk about that. When, whenever we talk about Arc Nova, at some point in the future, I really want mm. to like to kind of compare some some how the cards work in those two games. But yeah, it's a great game. I, I've played it a million times. Love it. Sweet. Also played Imperial Assault. Um, oh yeah. I've actually been playing through this. So this is a Star Wars game. For those of you who don't know, who don't know, it's a it's a campaign game. But I was just playing with one other friend, and so we didn't want to do the traditional campaign, which is kind of a one-versus-all thing. Uh, so instead, we downloaded the Legends of the Alliance app, which is an app that came out that lets you play cooperatively. Um, so we just actually we just played the last uh, mission in that campaign, ended the campaign. And it, it, it's a fun game. It's not that deep at all. It's not that complex. There's, it's, it's, it's heavily tactical not super strategic uh but it's fun you know it's it's a great star wars immersion through and through Mm. you're not playing it for the deep strategy you're playing it for the star wars experience um as far as the legends of the alliance co-op thing it's okay i feel like it's much better to play with a group and play versus if you're able to but if you only have so many people or you really want to play cooperative i think it's probably fine the app is great the storyline is okay it felt like it was just getting started when the when the campaign ended, so I
0: was kind of like, "What? It's already over?" So yeah, I yeah. mean, Star Wars. It's not a very interesting universe anyway, so
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Do? Not a whole lot of material to work with. <laughs> yeah, right? pretty limited. There are there are a, a heck ton of expansions for that game though, so like mm. a bunch of like full size ones and a bunch of mini ones. So yeah. I really
0: want to play that and give it a try because I am a fan Egg. of both Mansions of Madness and Journeys in Middle Earth, and I want to see how it
1: compares. Yeah, it's it's a great great Star Wars experience for sure. Okay. Um, then played 7-Up, which is basically just a, a very, very basic card or uh, trick-taking game. Like the most bare-bones trick-taking game you can play, essentially. I
0: thought we were uh, only like, going to
1: count real games in our games we've been playing this week. It is a real game, though. It is a real game. It's not with a deck of cards. So, it has its own deck of cards. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, it's a real game. It's a real game. And then, last but not least, Arc Nova. Well, we just played that last night together. Yeah phenomenal game uh i really enjoyed it i am looking forward to playing it again so i can really kind of give it an analysis i feel like i need a second play on that to really feel feel where i land on it but yeah great game that is so i mean we talked about this a lot already but it's so all of the different things that are going on in the game are so well meshed Mm -hmm. they're so interconnected and not in a way that feels uncontrollable like things just randomly happen and make other things happen but like in a you have to see how they work together and then you put the things in order that make those yeah. things work together. You know? It is so, it is a lot pretty of card play
0: pretty paladins-y paladins of the West Kingdom The Yeah. In that yeah, way. You got a yeah. lot a lot of different factors that all work together. So that is my eight games, Cody. Well to mosey on over and have a couple of repeats. Thanks for see. taking like eight minutes. Just to ramble about your boring games you like played I did this pretty week. pretty
1: good, but yeah, man, we're already running hot. Yeah,
0: okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go quick then. Champions Midgard, We've we've talked enough about that game. I mean, maybe not enough because it's an excellent game. But yeah, I played it. Lord of the Rings deck builder classic. It has been a while since I played that, so it was fun to break that out with you and Kirsten. Um, and you know, Kirsten and I went on a little trip and played some board games over that weekend. So here's what we knocked out. We played a couple games of Viticulture, and that has also wow. been a while. Uh, I always forget how good Tuscany is, man. Oof, it's yeah, it's kind of renewed my viticulture expansion. interest. Yeah. We should play that again soon. You to need to get some I more did. plays. Um got got some quacks of Quedlinburg. Classic push your luck bag building game. Bag building? Pool pool building? Bag pool building? You you know what I'm talking about. It's hmm. good. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Buy, buy your ingredients that do different things throw them in your bag and then each round you can pull out a number of ingredients and hope you don't pull out the white ones that make you explode once you get eight more than seven yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: including but not limited to <laughs> you know what I'm eight. talking about yeah uh
0: then of course got some wingspan plays in there digital but then I I played a physical game of wingspan it's been a long 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 do you long time since I, I feel played like we've a already game.
1: maybe covered this but do you which one do you appreciate more? Do you appreciate the speed in which you can play a digital game more than you appreciate the tactile-ness, tacitil- tacitility? Yeah, I, you know, I definitely... Whatever, of of playing the game. Yeah,
0: I get what you're saying, even though you're just making up words. I definitely appreciate the tactile feeling of Wingspan, but I also like the speed of the digital edition. Here's what I ran into. I'm so used to playing the digital edition. And you know how you have your little cubes that those are your like the number of actions you can take each round, basically. So yeah. you start with eight, and then you use one to score. So then you have seven, and then six, and five. Um, digital, like you don't have to physically move those. It's just you take an action, and then it it removes right, of one of your action markers. Yeah. Um, and so I kept forgetting to spend my cubes when I was taking actions in the physical game because I'm just used to not worrying about that. <laughs> so that was kind of a weird uh, weird but, training know,
1: wheels to get out of, I guess. By the way, can we can we stop doing cubes? Can we stop using cubes for everything? Like, every game's got to have why cubes. Why can't we do something else? Like, just come on. Come up with something different. I know cubes are the easiest and the cheapest, probably. Yeah, man. But, I mean, come on. Hey, uh, even Arc Nova had cubes. It's do like, you really? Do you really want to be paying more for games, though, man? Just to just to avoid the cubes? <sighs> I don't know. Is it really that much of a... Is, that, is it that big of a deal? Is it that difficult? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a game... Market price for a game
0: is usually about eight times as much as what it costs to produce in the first place. No, so, but what
1: I'm saying is, it does it really increase the cost that much, or is it just kind of an annoyance? Oh, that's to what I'm saying. Like, do something else other than a cubes.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe if it's if a cube, if a set of cubes for a game costs you a dollar to produce, then maybe you go up to like printed
1: colorful tokens that, that cost like three dollars. No, no, an addition it, it, it two, doesn't even have to $16. be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. It's just like, why does it always have to be cubes? Can't we do discs more often, or mm. you know, like I don't know, just stop doing cubes all the time maybe like totem poles perhaps very just, tiny totem yeah. poles just you know get a little more creative with it
0: okay so nate's got a problem with cubes uh that's fine <laughs> that's fine man uh, i will speak- never work in an office <laughs> well yeah speaking of cubes last game i played was arc nova baby yeah. that was fun yeah. i i also i too am very excited to play it again try out a new strategy i feel like my starting hand wasn't too incredible i think it's important to have a at least to choose good cards, but then also to draw good cards and really make sure you start off with a good engine. Because you you had a good combo with those, uh, were they herbivore cards that you had played at the beginning?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, well, I I didn't play them that soon. Um, But yeah, I I had a good combo that was giving me extra appeal every time I played one. Mm. Uh, So that was nice. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll discuss
0: Ark Nova in depth sooner when it is a featured game. But for now, it's just a game we've been playing.
1: And instead, we will discuss a very different game in depth.
0: Yeah, which means so, it's, yeah. let's do this transition like real cool like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, uh, take it away. All right, game of the week. Sweet. So, Meadow, homie. This was actually your suggestion, but I'm fine with yeah, it. Yeah, well,
1: yeah. I, I think uh, it was later on in our schedule of games to talk about, and I bumped it up because I felt like the game we had in place, which will remain unnamed for now, mm-hmm. although it's already been mentioned on this podcast. Dude, what a secret. What a um, mystery. Such suspense. I know. Like, people are just, they're gripping their, wherever they're sitting, if they're in the car, they're just gripping the steering wheel or they're gripping their bed, bed frame. For those who listen to podcasts in bed, which apparently both Cody and I realized that you do, but they're just they're just so (laughs) tense. The hair is falling out They're Like it's almost like a midlife crisis that they're experiencing. What is that game? And they will not find out for probably quite a while because I think we bumped it down quite a ways. It's really not. Uh, And listeners, I'm sorry we spent so much time on that. (laughs) Yeah, we meaning me. Uh, So we're talking about meta. We're talking about meta. So let's do that. Cody, why don't you give a brief overview of this this game, Meadow?
0: All right, you get animals and you play them, and you get points.
1: A little bit less
0: brief. Okay, less brief, so more long is what you're saying to me. I did not say that. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, Meadow, uh, who designed this game, man? Why am I blanking out? It was it was a, it was a couple that a designed it, right? Oh, okay so I'm half right <laughs> well it was at least a girl I, I thought it was, it was a husband and wife unless I'm thinking of a different game Um, but very interesting I guess sort of not really tag based game but you you can build up to 10 little columns of cards and you have to start with um, well obviously your ground card that gives you a symbol and then based off of that symbol you have other cards that eat or acquire that symbol and so it's all food chain based and it's It's a great implementation of like world realism, essentially. So maybe your your ground card that you start off with, you play for free, has a bug on it. Well, now maybe you can play a bird card and use up that ground card because that bird eats bugs and it has that listed on its uh, symbol requirements. But now maybe you have something else that I guess eats birds or plays off of birds that you can play on top of the bird card. And so you're slowly building up uh, this big nest of symbols and all these cards that you're playing have varying amounts of points. Cards that um, give you more victory points are more difficult to play because they have a a much larger amount of symbols or conditions that they have required to play and yeah I mean that's that's basically the game. I guess there's worker placement involved, kind of this little sideboard off to the side where really you're just putting workers down on
1: ways to play, different actions you can select I guess maybe it's not that minor actually it's it's a very use it's not the core of the game but it's a very useful side thing and you don't do it super often but when you do do it it's like necessary you know it's important for sure
0: yeah i i do love i i'll just start it off saying that i like the mechanic of you've got um these five worker like signs i don't know what signs, they're actually supposed sure. to be yeah, they're, I think, they're just these little yeah, they're like wood symbol things yeah uh, but each of them are different um, they're numbered one through five no one through four and then a question mark it can be any value you needed it to be and then each of those individual worker tiles has a unique action when used on a different part of the board so you can either use the the tile just for its number and then use that to basically claim a card from a board a card that's a certain number of spaces in on the grid according to that number it sounds really complicated but it's really not or you can use that tile for its unique ability and play it on a different side of the board to activate that action. That might be like drawing a card or playing a card from your hand or gaining these little road tokens. It's I guess just basically multi function worker tiles, which I don't know if I've really seen that in another game that I can think of.
1: Yeah, because it's not like it's a it's not like it's just a worker that can be placed somewhere or can be placed somewhere else and just depending on what spot you take it does something different mm-hmm. but it's the each worker is unique and each worker has two different uh, options on it exactly and so there's a lot more and it's interesting so like in the grid like you were saying it's a what it's it's a 4 by 4 right yeah. mm-hmm. um when you're picking a card you, a lot of times you have more than one way to get that card you know you could use a one from one direction, but maybe you can use a two from a different direction and a three from the other direction just to get that card. Right. So that's good. In one way, it's good because it it gives you a lot of options for getting a card. If somebody's already taken a slot, you can just get it from a different direction possibly. Um, but it's also nice because it it makes you stress out a little bit more on what, like, okay, I could use a one to get this, but that one also has this possible action. Am I going to want to do that action? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Well, okay. What if I got it with a two? All right, then, then I have the action on the one available, but then I don't have the action on the two available, you know? Oh, but and then so, someone
0: took the spot I was going to go on the next part. Right, so
1: now it has to be a one or a three. You know, okay, well, it. which secondary action on the one or the three is more valuable to me do I do I want to save, you know? Mm-hmm. So, having those two actions is actually, I feel like the implications are much deeper than just, oh, you can do this or you can do that, right? But it's it's a lot deeper than that. There's and consequences. That. <laughs> well, it, it's it's like, I feel, I feel like the best games have pros and cons to every choice you make. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so you're always kind of weighing those pros and cons. And sometimes it can't be done quantifiably. Sometimes you're just like, well, I think this is better. Uh, There's no way to know for sure. And it depends on what other people do. Uh, Maybe it depends on what card I draw. But I I feel like this is the better way to go. And so I'm just going to use my best judgment and do this. And, you know, I'm kind of quickly, hopefully quickly, unless you have AP, hopefully quickly weighing the pros and cons of my mind for every choice I make.
0: AP, for and those uninitiated, is analysis paralysis. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and then, you know, it just kind of comes down to who's, who's kind of gut feeling, who's, who's, who makes the best judgment calls, basically, throughout mm-hmm. the course of a game. Uh, and so I really like that. You know, as I'm thinking about it here, it's, it's really not a perfect analogy
0: or description. But the worker placement is a little bit reminiscent of hand management. In, in the sense that you always have, I guess, the same hand every round as it resets but you have to choose which order to play these tile things in and how to use each of them because they can all be used differently it's not really hand management because they're not cards and they're the same every time but it kind of reminds me of it a little bit
1: well it is in a way and i get what you're saying because you have kind of a hand of different workers that all Mm -hmm. have different abilities they don't have all the same ability right because hand management would, wouldn't really be that useful if all the cards were identical, right? Then it's mm-hmm. more like worker placement. So it, it really is kind of hand management. You have a hand of tiles. They all do different things. You have to choose how and when to use them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like it really is. Uh, I feel like a lot of hand management games don't necessarily have multiple options for each card, though. Yeah. Do you
0: think hand management is more or less important if you have one or three hands?
1: <laughs> what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm definitely gonna go with one i feel like if you only have one hand yeah i think it's like more like really, that way. yeah yeah i'm mean, like if you have three it's like you don't have to manage them probably you have better odds of just doing something right you know if you only have one hand it's like you really gotta like focus well, well on whoa, but if you have three hands you've got more going on like you have to really make sure you're keeping well, them all in check You do, but like, if if things get too stressful, you can just let one of them go limp and just kind of check out and just use the other two like you normally would, you know? That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad we took the time to discuss this. Yeah. We're not talking about a game, for those of you who might be confused. We're we're talking about (laughs) a We're so sorry, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Welcome to the Tangents of Tabletop Shop.
0: Ooh, okay. Side podcast? Ooh, Tangents of Tabletop Shop. Patreon subscribers only
1: podcast? Okay. Maybe, maybe.
0: Maybe, Ooh, (laughs) yeah, unique content. Anyway, Nate, what do you like about Meadow besides hand management?
1: I like the drafting mechanism. I've already talked about that. How you can get a card multiple different ways. I like that a lot. I think that's a very good mechanism. I also like. I also like the the dual feature uh, workers. Also amazing, great. Mm-hmm. I also am a big fan of the that extra scoring you can get on the sideboard. So oh yeah, there's these extra little. Uh, it's actually determined randomly every game. Uh, these symbols will come out, and there's one of each symbol that's on every card in the game, but not all those symbols will come out on the scoring board, only some of them will. And basically, they'll they'll go in a little circle with a space in between uh, all of them, and you can at any point claim one of those spaces in between two tokens if those two token symbols are showing in your tableau of cards you've played. So if there's like a butterfly and a flower and uh, a wolf... If at any point you have like a butterfly and a flower showing in your cards that you've played, you can claim that using action. Or if you have a wolf and a flower showing during in your tableau, you can claim that one, uh, and you'll get X amount of points for each one you claim. But there's not enough for everybody to claim all of them. There's only like you know five or something like that, maybe six. And so it's a great little side scoring mechanism to keep in the back of your mind while you're playing the game. It's not. It's actually pretty important because you can get like, you know, what, up to like nine points over there if you, yeah. if you get all three of yours out. And that's a decent chunk of points in Meadow, actually. that's a, It's two like, big cards. Yeah, I don't think you get over 100 in metal, at least not easily. So, you know, nine points is, is quite a bit. It's a substantial amount for sure. And so it's a nice little side scoring thing that's going on throughout the whole game. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just claim it when you can. I like that. It's a bit of a race.
0: I like the strategy implemented with that, too, because... Maybe you you play a card that lets you actually qualify for two of those spaces, but you're going to take the one that you know your opponent is also qualified
1: yeah. for, so you can take the other one when
0: you have a Indirect chance later.
1: Indirect player uh, uh, interaction, yeah. yeah. But also it's like, you're also trying to manage the cards that you play so that you can get other cards played, and uh, but then on the side you're like, okay, but I'm also trying to achieve those. And so sometimes you have to choose between not being able to play a card until a little bit longer so that you can... Uh, claim one of those because you might be wanting to play a card that's going to cover up one of those symbols that you need to use to claim a bonus and so again pros and cons right and Mm -hmm. i I think that's a great attribute to any game is the more you can inject pros and cons into decisions into a game the more replayability and the more uh engaged i'm going to be with that game yeah one way i like how they
0: implement that is with the separate decks of cards you've got one for each direction you got southwest north and east obviously in that order um, but each, <laughs> there, well, there's an appendix or glossary, whatever you call it, on the back of the rulebook that shows you the breakdown of in each of those four decks what different symbols are most common. Because oh, yeah, there's that's a such whole bunch a cool of thing. symbols in the game. Yeah, I mean, di- different animal types, plant types, ground types, even. Um, and so, if you're if you're really hoping to get a certain type of card, and you're just going to draw blindly from one of the decks, you can look on the back. Of that index there and see where you're most likely to get that card symbol yeah that's
1: a phenomenal
0: little resource i love that yeah. so much actually multi-deck totally selection that's specialized deck selection there's got to be a, yeah. a name for that mechanism
1: well yeah i don't know but it, it's it's amazing because it reduces the the randomness of a game like say terraforming mars where it's like well maybe you got a great hand of cards and i got a terrible hand of cards yeah you know? and it's like well that's luck of the draw can be it's one like, of the downfalls of that for sure. It, you know, I most certainly can. In fact, that's probably my my largest gripe with a game like Terraforming Mars. But in this game, there's a lot of cards, but you have four different, well, three different stacks at any given time. And so when you're getting a card, you kind of know what your odds are. Actually, you literally know what your odds are. So yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot.
0: Especially if you're a card counter, you've been keeping an eye on what all the other cards are. They've already come out. Poof. Yeah, This would be an impossible game to count but That's Yeah get you blackjack
1: players up in here and play the game anything you want to add to what you like i like the art oh yeah i was just gonna say that's something i but go ahead because i've talked a lot
0: beat beat you to it yeah it's uh the art in the game is watercolor themed or schemed i suppose uh just cute little drawings of all these different critters or sometimes even scenes you might have a, a cottage um or a birdhouse and whatnot scattered around amongst these different cards um, ground pictures even of the little insects but the whoever the artist was actually i'm looking at it we've got a Caroline, carolina carolina yeah. kajak yeah they're all k's something like that that's right this is the k game wasn't it but yeah she, yeah. she did a great job uh, even the the cover of the game that shows the little uh ferret i think it is i was is? gonna say weasel but weasel? I feel like weasel
1: is probably not what it is
0: L- little red fella that guy um uh, that's actually one of the cards that's in the game that you can get and it, it looks phenomenal like what you see on the box is what you see in the
1: game. Yeah, I also uh, phenomenal art. Definitely. Uh good talk. It's peaceful. It's a, it's kind of a serene game just because of the the theme. It is it is a pretty relaxing game thematically. Isn't isn't it weird how how much the theme afe- affects you and you probably don't even that really realize weird. it. Like if it was like if this exact same game was like a dark space almost like kind of horror space themed game oh, oh like, it would terrible. not be a relaxing I would experience not play it. at all yeah i might still play it but it, it wouldn't yeah, be okay. a relaxing it'd be a totally different experience even though the game would be exactly the same Everdell's the same way man like in in heart that is a pretty stressful game
0: for sure uh, but for sure. it's it's in 97 made by by the artwork by the the theme the the background of the game itself, the the lore, if you will. I'm not saying it's a bad game mechanically because it's an incredible game mechanically, but it's made even better by by the artwork. No,
1: yeah, I I feel like there's been a trend almost of making deceptively cute games, you know, so like Everdale, like like Root, you know, games like that where it's like, oh, look, it's cute, it's a kid's game. It's like, boom, you just got hit in the face with this game. It's like, just destroys you, you know, so. I like how Furnace is kind of the opposite of that. It's like...
0: (laughs) welcome to hell
1: <laughs> so true dude so true Wow. Yeah. uh anyway okay well let's uh let's move on to what we uh, dislike about metal okay and you can you can start off on that if you want i'm sure you have uh, some things to say at least i don't ever really want to get this game out <laughs> i i know we just spoke good stuff about it
0: but uh usually it's it's kind of a. Uh, towards the end of the list on my shelf uh, for a game I'd, I'd want to play. And I, I don't really know how many more times I'm going to play this game necessarily. It's it's not a bad wow. game. It's just overall, um, even though it's pretty relaxing, it's not a particularly gripping game for me. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm detecting by your reaction that you agree with me.
1: I do not agree to the extent <laughs> that you are uh, putting that out there. I was also underwhelmed by the game when I played it the first time. There's not as much depth to it as I would hoped would have hoped, especially because researching the game before I played it, I was like, wow, the drafting is so cool. And it just, it looks amazing. And you know, everybody's raving about it. You know, everybody's like, Oh, this game is the best, whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then when we played it, it's like, well, you know, it's good. It's a solid design for sure. Like it's not, that like I think it's for me it's because the card play is so blasé. There's nothing yeah. innovative. There's nothing interesting. There's nothing going on really with the cards that you play. It's really just They're very one dimensional is all it is. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's that's that was a very unfortunate experience for me. But I think I always remember this game fondly though. <laughs> Maybe I've only played oh, really? it twice. But hmm. yeah. I remember both plays as enjoyable experiences Um, I think I enjoyed it more the second time because my expectations were not as high sure Um, but yeah it it feels like it lacks some depth you know and the thing is I don't think an expansion could fix it because no you'd have to overhaul the entire game I think because it's the actual core of the cards that are the issue you know I, I don't know what they would have to do to really, you'd really have to kind of revolutionize how the cards work in the game mm-hmm. to, to breathe new life into this. Um, but I, I do think it's a very charming game and I don't know. I think I like it more than you do. I definitely, I, I, I'm almost positive actually that I like it more than you <laughs> sure. do because I do yeah. not feel that way that if it was on my shelf that I would be just like, casting looks of disdain towards it you know like I don't feel that way about it at all I think it's enjoyable I think it's a fun light game it's not deceptively cute it is accurately cute I guess <laughs> sure um, and I think there's enough in it that's unique that it, it it's something I could come back to every once in a while you know I respect that. I'm still
0: gonna leave it on the shelf but I respect that. <laughs> I, however I will say I'm not at the point where I'm ready to sell it it's it's, for sure. it's kind of a nice game to, to keep in your pocket even though it doesn't fit in your pocket
1: well you know what couldn't you know what maybe, maybe we can uh... get bigger pockets got you uh, n- no <laughs> oh
0: okay uh, uh, you know do you have a board game offer for me here
1: yeah I don't know I'm not, I'm not gonna make an offer on live uh, uh, television podcast okay. Um, but you know maybe Maybe we can work something out. Hey, you realize you know. you're still holding on to Elysium, and I still have received nothing for it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just I was just looking at that today. I was like, that's uh, kind of burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah. Because Excellent. you know, it's a uh, it's kind of like some debt sitting
0: on my shelf. So well, yeah, it's because I've been charging interest this whole time.
1: It's actually one board <laughs> okay, yeah. game per week. <laughs> All right. Well, people don't care about this. <laughs> huh. So. Let's uh, let's move on to yeah. uh, something that Cody is going to be calling our designer spotlight. Yes, indeed, this
0: is a new little segment we've got set up. It's not a it's not a different segment. It's just a a theme we're going to start doing within Board Banter's. Every now and then, we're going to do a designer spotlight where we select a notable and perhaps possibly unnotable designer of the board game community and just talk about them. We're going to split it up a little bit and. Um, probably I'm going to be covering the bio, so we'll tell you some background of this guy, or woman, or mouse, depending. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then Nate's no going to hit you up there. with some popular games that has been produced by that designer.
1: Okay. Um, so does that do you sound, want... man? Yeah. I mean, do you want to start with bio first and then, then go to games, or the other way around? Well, let's start with bio. That seems thematic.
0: Okay. You know? Well, You're Cody, probably wondering how I got here. The, the bio born. of whom? <laughs> Whom? Today is Shem Phillips, ladies and gents. And no, Nate, I do not think Shem stands for anything. I don't know what it would stand for. Shemaculate. uh, Yeah, Shemaculate Phillips, the legend himself. Um, Shem Phillips is from New Zealand, bro. Did you know that? I did not know that. Ah. Actually, I think I told you yesterday he was from Australia, and I was wrong. It's New Zealand. I just forgot. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, the dude looks like a Viking. I've seen a a couple... Uh, interview videos with him now and he's got um uh, a fairly thick red beard um and some red hair on the back um and he looks a little bit intimidating but then he starts talking he's just kind of like yeah i'm shim phillips and uh, i like designing games it's it's great (laughs) that was a terrible
1: (laughs) okay was like somebody who's that's like uh, an australian who's trying to get rid of their australian accent Hey, New Zealand is what I'm talking about. It was here. not a New Zealand accent. You, it was not. Yeah, <laughs> New Zealand.
0: Anyway, the, the, the manner I spoke in, though, that, that's how Shem Phillips talks, even though that probably okay, was
1: not okay. a direct quote from him. So timidly, you're saying yeah. he's a baby.
0: No. Wait, how'd you get that? Come on, man. He looks like a <laughs> he's Viking. A he's from New okay. Zealand. I got it, Cody. I got it. Uh, well, Shem Phillips, here's the deal, Nate. He doesn't drink tea or coffee. He drinks hot cocoa. That's one of my main takeaways from from what I was able to, to gather and research from him. Don't worry, I have more stuff. But I just wanted to point I, that out. He yeah, says, I have no comment at this time. <laughs> in the morning, no no tea or coffee for him, hot cocoa. And I respect that. That must be the secret to his success. Because he does have three games in the BGG top 100.
1: Yeah, I'm that curious, can only now, be
0: attributed to the, uh, the indulgence
1: of hot cocoa. Yeah, hot cocoa.
0: Like Jamie Stegmaier, do you think he drinks hot cocoa in the morning? Is that like I the, don't think the it, I don't think brew? at all
1: about what what Jamie Stuckmeyer drinks in the morning. I don't think about it ever, Cody. Not once. <laughs> you did now. <laughs> gotcha. So let's
0: talk about this man's games. Yeah, Shem Phillips founded Garfield Games in 2009. Uh, and here's what I respect about this guy: he, as far as I can tell, and from what he's described, he just started off personally producing all his games and personally distributing them. Uh, he would use a just a die cutter machine at home and cut out cards that I think he just graphically designed wow. himself. Yeah, that I mean, blows my impressive. Mind. A lot he of respect
1: just... for that.
0: Yeah, man. You just take uh, blank white boxes and I think he said he just slap some labels on them or something to mark his games, mm-hmm. throw some cubes in there, get a little basic custom board. He did say he was pretty limited. You know, I'm just simple tokens <laughs> and whatnot sure. what he can yeah. include and produce in the game. But uh, yeah, from 2009 uh for about four or five years after that point he was just personally selling these games around new zealand uh um, wow, so he was making i don't know if he was
1: making copies that he was actually selling he wasn't just making prototypes he was actually selling what he was making in his yeah house.
0: yeah no he he would himself produce the games in their entirety and then sell them wow which is which is awesome it's yeah impressive uh but where things changed for him is in 2014 um his company and when i say his company i think it's literally him his wife i don't know if he had his brother sam in at that point then there's another sam sam mcdonald which is uh basically a contractor monetarily wise but just a friend that he works with to to produce the games i think sam worked on all the west kingdom games i believe I remember exactly when he started but anyway they they did a kickstarter in 2014 which became shipwrights of the west kingdom and that's what
1: uh north sea but
0: oh no dang it <laughs> shipwrights of the north sea so so many things he's, he's got a south tigris trilogy coming out man yeah well one of them's yeah. already out but
1: we'll get to that later oh Cody. Okay. well there you go
0: and he's got a East something coming out uh but sure that's that's what he done did that's what got him on the map um he found a fella, and I'm totally going to butcher this name. Uh, but uh, Michailo Dmitrievsky. <laughs> guessing,
1: guessing, a Russian fellow. Uh, you know, he I'm found this guy. You, but like my pronunciation would have been just as bad. So
0: excellent, excellent. Well, we know the golden rule: you pronounce it your way, I pronounce it my way, and then we average them, and we did it right <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, he found Michailo on DeviantArt. Um and just liked his stuff. And I guess the guy within two hours just threw together like the first three cards uh for the game. And that has kind of become the distinctive art style of a lot of the shem Phillips
1: games. But that um did that um initiate the the game being made? Or was that just the art? Or are we just talking about the art? No.
0: The 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 Kickstarter I think was already in progress or it was already on the horizon. Um Sham was just looking for uh, an artist to start doing good stuff that was better than he could do it, and yeah, this guy he goes by Miko or Miko, his M I C O, I guess is easier to say. Did all the games up until Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Well, Um, and he's done a lot of games now too. Apparently, that guy was not even a board game artist until that point. He was just a. He didn't even know anything about, I guess, the board game world or board game art and illustrations I
1: mean, do you have to be i feel like as an as, as far as the art goes it's it's pretty easy to to get involved
0: oh oh for sure I'm, I'm not blaming him for that i'm just saying that up to this point he wasn't even really familiar with it but then after that point you can look him up on board game geek and he has i'm probably looking at a list of 20 to 30 games since 2014 that he's worked on
1: hmm. that at least board game
0: geek considers notable <laughs> games
1: well um but yeah. i have to say that as much as I, I'm not a huge fan of the art style, in uh, mm. in, in, in of his art style, but there's a, there's a drastic improvement from, sure. uh, Shem Phillips' other productions pre, uh, <laughs> shipwrights, uh, to what it looks For to sure. what shipwrights looks like. There's there's definitely a there's a change. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I will jump
0: in there and say that Raiders of the North Sea, um, they switched over to Shem's brother Sam, Sam Phillips. So he did the art for that one. And you can tell it looks a bit different or a fair amount different from like the West Kingdom games and the North Sea games. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess he kind of brought them on They're working on that. But here's a fun fact about Shim Phillips. He started off as a musician, and that was basically his creative hobby for a long time until his 20s. Um, he, I guess, discovered the hobby board game community and just used it, that as a creative outlet to design games. Which I, I very much relate Interesting.
1: to. Interesting, he was a music. Well, maybe he was like a, a teacher or a tutor, or like well, he just like played he, a trumpet and made specify. money somehow. I I don't actually know what his occupation was before that point. Subway I think he tunnels. just like
0: playing instruments. Sure, penguin in a subway tunnel in Russia or New Zealand, but that's what I got on Shem Phillips, homie. Cool. Well, what you got? You got some dank games that he's designed, maybe?
1: Yeah. So obviously, the the majority of his uh, of his resume, a uh, portfolio actually is the better word. The majority of his portfolio is Ooh, good word, man. Is um like the the West Kingdom trilogy and the North Sea trilogy, and now the upcoming South Tigris trilogy. Um, hmm. Of course, the question is, what is the East trilogy going to be? Uh, we'll we'll have to find out. Yeah. Um, Would it be great if it was just two games? No, Cody. It
0: wasn't free. Oh,
1: okay. I guess not. Um, but yeah. So before that, like you were saying, he was kind of doing his own thing, and yeah, there's a lot of um un not not necessarily unranked, but like you know, they might as well be. You know, some of those games. Um, and I'm not trying to like make fun of these games. I didn't really look into any of them at all. But like I said, there is a notable difference in production quality from them to when you get up to shipwrights, mm-hmm. uh, which of course is a byproduct of. Kickstarting, right? Like now you are actually bringing in serious money, or more or less, uh, even if we're not talking about profit, but if we're talking about being able to pour resources into the game, now you have a lot more sure. available, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, definitely after Shipwrights, uh, things got a little bit crazy in the Phillips household, I guess. And uh, <laughs> he started churning out these games pretty quickly, actually. So, uh, Shipwrights in the North Sea was 14. Um, and he wasn't really doing much else, actually, which is kind of understandable. He's like, oh, we struck gold here. Let's keep going with it. But then yeah, uh, Raiders was 15. Um, and then he did a couple other games in between. Shipwrites came out in 17. Um, and then I believe they started doing expansions for... I, I think all of the North Sea games have at least one. Some of them even have two expansions. And then, of course, they have like... All these like little promos and stuff because they were kickstarters, um, mm. and then he went on to he went on to West Kingdom, and that's where he really, I feel so obviously the oh, North yeah. Sea games were the ones that kind of got him on the map, and then the West Kingdom games are the ones where he like really kind of stamped his claim. Dominated, you know, he was like, okay, I am relevant now. I am a board game <laughs> producer, and yo, you will all listen. And kneel to my three games in the top one hundred. You know, <laughs> what's really ironic
0: is listening to all the interviews. He is a super humble guy and would never say that. As far as I can tell, I believe it. I, he was, he was, you know, he like almost seemed embarrassed to be talking about like, oh yeah, I have some games going out there. Going
1: based off his picture and BGG, I totally believe that because he doesn't really have a beard. <laughs> He's just kind of like a guy that's like smiling and you know, like ah, making a, <laughs> a fighting fist. You know, so but he's like in a in a playful Arg. way. So, so yeah, you had That's you good. had architects of the West Kingdom um, followed by paladins and then followed by viscounts. Of course, all within a, a few years total. And of course, again, lots of promos. And then the expansion started coming. Uh, I believe actually, their two viscounts expansions came out this year. Like they were at, at the exact same time. That's the first time I've ever seen oh, it. This year? Yeah. Dang. I, uh, let me. I can double check that. I believe it was this year. But. He kickstarted two Viscounts uh, expansions as like part of the same Kickstarter even, I think. Because I remember actually seeing this when it happened. Yeah, so Viscounts of the Western hmm. Kingdom, Keeper of Keys, and Gates of Gold. Two separate expansions that were announced and I believe Dang. actually, yeah, like kind of produced and everything. They were just like two peas in a pod the whole way, which is interesting, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, that's right. Re- I mean...
0: The other place I've heard of that happening is with Everdell. They were releasing the, like, super, super special fancy edition, and there is two expansions they included in that Kickstarter. Hmm. But that's, I mean, that was kind of a unique case because it was kind of an overhaul, and it included, I believe, the new base game of Everdell plus all the other games included, or all the other expansions included. Yeah, I bet it was spendy too. Sheesh. Yeah. Well, but that's interesting just doing two expansions but like at the same time. Yeah,
1: yeah, unprecedented, Mm. probably. So
0: I was in a a board game shop a couple months ago um, and I I saw a bunch of the West Kingdom expansions in there and I don't remember what it was called, but there was this little expansion that if you own all three of the West Kingdom games, it it, is that what it's called? Okay, yeah, like links them all together. Can you tell me more about that? I cannot.
1: (laughs) All (laughs) right, well, that exists and I'm
0: very intrigued (laughs) at it.
1: Yeah, it's almost like um so uh you might not be too familiar with this. Um I believe there's an expansion called C three K, um which C3K. connected the games Kemet and Cyclades. Uh, they were both produced I know by, absolutely nothing about that. Yeah, they're both they're both uh big not big, but uh they're both like heavily thematic war games uh, produced by Matico Games, and they made this crossover expansion that let let you interchange the uh, the monsters and stuff in between the two games. Ooh. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool little things like that. So, but yeah. So right now, he, they just, uh, this year, uh, what is it? Wayfarers of the South Tigris just came out. And mm. uh, I don't know too much about this game, but it looks very heavy, I will say. And does it? Okay. It's kind of a, I feel like it has more of a tableau building aspect than any of the other, at least as, than any of the West Kingdom games. And, it's but it, it's it's very much the same so all of the west kingdom games have this very they're very similar in the way that they play even if they utilize totally mm-hmm. different mechanisms they I don't, I don't i don't know i don't even know how to explain it but it's like and it's not even just the art style that the art style is consistent and that even the it's interesting actually like they always use the same silver coins they always use the provision uh, bags, you yeah. know, and the same, like, the workers. The same banner symbol yeah. for attributes. So that's, which is cool. That's consistent through all of his games for the most part, at least through the West Kingdom games, but then also in the South Tigress games. And hmm. his games seem to be totally comprised of, like, taking lots of little actions. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah, which I like that style of game. Big games with smaller actions that comprise them.
1: Yeah, and so this, this definitely seems to be continued with Wayfarers and... But the thing is that the game itself doesn't look that revolutionary. It doesn't look that um, unique. Hmm. It doesn't look that different necessarily. Um, Especially when you look at his other games and it's like, all right, well, he kind of just took the same stuff and threw it in a different order or whatever. Um, But there is this, this one interesting part of it, which is that in between, I don't know if, again, if it was at the end of your turn or at the end of a round or whatever, you like move your marker on this, uh tech tree basically is what it is um that's a Hmm. that's kind of a overstatement of what it really is it's really just a a track and you kind of have to make choices along the way that you're going through the track it's it's basically a tech tree but not not really you're just getting bonuses um so it's like in between every single like kind of individual round or turn or something you get to move your piece along that and claim bonuses and work your way down it i thought that was a really cool like in between turns action that you get to take um kind of instead of just being like all right my turn's over go to you it's like i, I get to do something in between you know and, and everybody gets to do it you know and i like i said i don't think it's quite in between mm-hmm. every turn but it's something like that like after you've done a couple things then you get to do this and so everyone's doing it not exactly at the same time it's not like okay the round's over everyone moves but it's like all right i get to move now and then maybe a turn or two turns later you're getting to move and then i'm getting to a turn later mm-hmm. you know something like that uh so it's just it's just a cool reliable thing that happens throughout the game that is just like, hey, free stuff, you know? It is a little bolster for you.
0: That does seem pretty interesting. I'm looking at some of the pictures now because I haven't really explored it before. So, like, yeah, like... looks like it's voted 3.58 for weight, which Paladins was, like, a 3.7 or something, I think? I like comparing things to Paladins because Paladins is, yeah. like, the heaviest of them. Oh, yeah paladins is 3.70 yeah.
1: good memory which I love I love paladins man so let's and I like I like yeah, how the I like how all the cards kind of fit together in this um nice looking tableau you have like your land cards and your sea cards on the bottom and then you have your space mm. cards up above and they all blend together nicely as you're filling them in it's pretty cool and there's a lot of end game scoring <laughs> in this game too which I also like of course of course there is yeah. of course there is it's a Shem Phillips game know, man. right everything scores your points at the end of the game I, yeah
0: I will say I like the overall aesthetic of this game. It, it, you can still see the the Garfield games mantra style design, I guess, throughout all of it, but it, it's more of like a yellowish accent over everything. Yellow and like turquoise. All the West Kingdom games are like very red and blue and green.
1: Yeah, yeah and then like obviously hmm. your North Sea games are, have a, a very heavy blue accent to him so i like that he's kind of gone yeah. with a the color theme for each game too or each series too that's also a cool thing
0: that's something you don't see okay well i guess i have to take that back you don't really see game series very often it, it seems like something that would fail but i mean all
1: all three of the west kingdom games that's are a good point what 158 or higher on board game it's games. like usually it's like oh here's this game oh it did well okay uh, a few years later second edition you know
0: yeah or the dice version, and then it just ooh yeah plops. Ooh, the dice game Unless was the card game, ooh. let's roll for the galaxy, and then that's fine. Yeah, well, okay. But yeah, kudos to his company for consistently, like each year, producing a game that well, lands really and, well. And I mean,
1: here's the thing: he's earned the respect, right of the of the of his followers. And so, yeah, you know, people know what to expect. They know they're getting quality content. They know they're going to like the game to a certain degree because it's going to be quality content, even if it's not their favorite game that he's produced. You know, there's a lot of people out there that like, he's releasing a game, I'm buying it just like that, you know? Yeah. And so th- that kind of fan base gives you the opportunity to kind of have some more freedom with what you do because you have their support. Which I'm I'm happy that he got that popular
0: because I feel like that's going to produce more honest games that he enjoys making.
1: Yeah, he doesn't feel like he has to pander and try and gain, exactly. Um, yeah. you know, because he's already he's already arrived, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So he can kind of slow it down and do what he wants.
0: So We need more of that in the board game community. Yeah,
1: so Scholars of the South Tigers is now in the works and set to be released, uh, I believe, next year. And that one, okay. actually, I think, has above a four-point rating weight, which, I mean, you know, for what, what it's worth, right? You know, some people, that means nothing. But Well, at, as voted so far. I mean, that's that right, yeah, not even what it's actually yet, released as it stands, it's a, it's like a four point three or something. So I have no idea what to expect hey, from that. Wow! But I, w- I would like to get my hands on Wayfarers and play it. That it looks fun. I'm sure I'd enjoy it. Yeah. I want to try Shipwrights, just the the OG Garfield game. Um, I don't know anything about it. I would be I I would want to try it. Uh, it is the lowest rated, I believe, of all of his main. Games oh, so really? far, I think it's like a six point eight. So hmm, that doesn't okay. mean it's bad. Um, and like I said, I would like to play it, but I feel like, like I wouldn't just like buy it to own it, you know, just for the sake of owning mm-hmm. it.
0: I think Tom Vassell's professional opinion was, "What? What is it? Explores the North Sea, and then shipwrights of the North Sea." Yeah right and, and there's raiders so so those first two explorers and shipwrights are okay games but then raiders of the north sea is the one that's like really worth getting yeah which I,
1: so maybe maybe i'll just switch that and go with my gut and get raiders of the north sea well that's one thing we didn't mention that uh raiders of scythia is a very similar version of raiders of the north sea with a different theme mm-hmm. different art style um and very different art style you, you maybe know the functional differences better than i do Uh,
0: I I don't really know. I don't remember. I think they were pretty much the same thing. Well,
1: uh, I've only played Scythia. (laughs) I have not played Raiders of the North Sea. Um, And I enjoyed Scythia, but uh, I I feel like maybe we talked about this on one of the podcast episodes, but it doesn't quite have the replayability, I don't think. And I think maybe North Sea is a little bit better about that.
0: Plus, there's no expansion you can get for Raiders of Scythia, but there is one for Raiders of the North Sea. Yeah, which is supposed to be quite good, huh? It gives you some extra content. Yeah, that's what I heard
1: all right maybe we'll find out soon who knows yeah. well that is our cross-examination of mr shem phillips
0: <laughs> maybe someday we'll have him on the show that would be legendary wouldn't that be something that would be epic hey i do have one closing side note thing okay. though okay. maybe even to have anything to do with so, shem phillips's drinking habits uh well he doesn't drink very much <laughs> except hot cocoa <laughs> Uh, no, this is a multifaceted point. Um, I was trying to figure out what Garfield is or was, and oh, okay, if sure. you notice, when you look up Garfield games, it it shows a bird, yeah. right? So it's like, oh, well, maybe this, maybe a, a Garfield is like a New Zealand bird, and I can find absolutely no definition for a Garfield. But then it occurred to me that the second half of Garfield is Shem Phillips's last name. The first five letters of it, Phil, two L's. So it got me wondering: is was there some other designer that was like in the process, or someone else he knew that huh. last name started with Gar, and then it got put together, kind of like Stonemeyer like Alan Stone, Jamie Stegmeier? Interesting, because
1: also I feel like I would have pronounced it Garp Hill Games, Garp Hill, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard it said, and I'm assuming you're pronouncing it Garfield because you've heard him say I, it. I've,
0: yeah, I've, I've heard it said, huh? But it just it makes me wonder because I can't I can't find any note on who something Gar someone.
1: G-A-R maybe, If your initials yeah. are G-A-R, you know, just hit us up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call to action right there. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Comment in the link below. Uh, yeah. And final note was, I did find out what that bird was, though. Uh, as far oriole. as I can tell, it's a chaffinch, which is... Is it what? I was guessing was oriole because it's black and orange, but whatever. Uh... Nice try, no, Nate. It's a chaffinch, which I guess is a common New Zealand bird. Huh, so there you go, okay. mystery solved. Not
1: as common as the kiwi, probably, or not as iconic as the kiwi, but
0: yeah, probably
1: more common than the kiwi. I, would, I guess yeah, probably yes, more probably less iconic. Well, the, the, I feel like the conversation's really just kind of grinding to a halt here, so we we should probably wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm giving you all sorts of fun trivia discussing here, man. Native New Zealand. The bird. fans love Here's this. The this is not the the what what, what were we saying that the tangents of tabletop shop 23 the, the tabletop shop tangents yeah tangents that's of, not this is whatever. these are not our patreon subscribers here cody okay we can't be giving tangents them, of the north and we sea. can't just be handing out new zealand you know trivia <laughs> left and right all right we got to save some content for the patreon only subscribers. okay yeah, so, yeah yeah let's dial it's it all been sealed away in the tabletop shop behind paywall. podcast <laughs> expansion pack kickstarter patreon <laughs> all right well speaking of which Uh, if you want to give us money, you can do so probably, I don't think we have a way set up to do that yet, but Hey, if you want to give us money, we would love to have some. Uh, and so if you want to give us money, you're like, Hey dude, I need to give you guys money because you need it. Uh, you can hit us up, uh, at our email, which would be tabletopshop 23 at gmail.com and just say, Hey guys, I want to give you some money. Um, or you know what you can say, Hey, I love the podcast or I hate the podcast and here's why. And you can type a, uh, a long worded email as to why you like it or dislike it. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Facebook we're tabletop shop, Instagram, tabletop shop 23. And is there any other way to contact us? Cody?
0: I'm just not going to condone the whole begging people for money. part. (laughs) I just, you know, I felt like it rolled really well and I just wanted to go with it and see where I ended up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Go find our PayPal. No, we're not asking for money. I mean like, no, no, but, uh, we would like to hear from people. We would like to hear feedback on on the podcast. So, you know, if you have the time, if you feel like doing it, we would appreciate any kind of feedback, for sure. Yeah. And thank you, guys. And remember. Uh, oh. Oh, well, that, that was unfortunate. <laughs> thank you guys ha. for listening. That's
0: a- <laughs> and remember, filling the castle is a good way to break Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Hey folks, thanks for listening. This has been the Tabletop Shop Podcast. We release episodes every other Wednesday, which is 2.17 times a month for you nerds. We'll catch you guys in the next episode, and in the meantime, keep on playing games.